Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and we are honored today to have a special guest, a unique guest, and the fact that she's not just today's guest, she's actually a teammate and a partner of ours at Montgomery Companies. She is the face of Hawkeye Sports. She's a native of Iowa, born and raised in Cedar Rapids, went to the University of Iowa, married her husband, Matt. She's got a son, Dax. She leads as a wife, as a mom, as a keynote speaker, as an MC, and as a coach. Her name is Laura Vandenberg, and we could not be more excited to have Laura on the show. We've been talking about it for a long time, and the day is here. Laura, it's an honor to have you on. Welcome to the show. Oh, man. Thank you. That was a fantastic intro. I appreciate it. Hey, first question, Laura, before we get into deep conversation, we want to start out with a bang. What's one thing that people don't know about you that might surprise them? See, that's a tough one. That is one question that I've only been asked like one other time, and I had no idea how to answer it because I do share a decent amount about myself and about my family on my social media. And so... I was like, man, like what, what haven't I shared? And the one thing I think is, is that I actually can sing pretty well and I can play the guitar. And the only person that knows that information and who has ever heard it is my husband, Matt, um, because I have terrible stage fright and I would never sing in front of anybody. I'd never play the guitar in front of anyone, but um, I trusted Matt with that. And he's the only one that's ever heard it. Okay, a follow-up question. What type of music do you sing or would you sing? So let's just say you're a you're a an artist. What type of music would you play? Oh, country, of course. Country music. Um, let's go. Yeah, country music. I like Christian country music. Um, and so I would say probably that. My thing with singing though is like it's one of those things that is like my thing, you know, like it's something that gives me peace. It's something that I enjoy doing for me. And I don't want to, like, I'm terrified of someone telling me that I'm bad because it would just ruin it for me. Like when I get really stressed out, having a bad day, I'm like in the car trying to find a parking spot for whatever reason, ever since I was a kid, like my initial reaction is like, I just start singing. <laughs> I think it's like a coping thing. Like it calms me down. And so I don't want anyone to take that from me. Like, I just want to feel like I'm good and uh, be able to do it without any judgment. So that's why that's just something that I keep to myself and probably something that nobody's ever heard. So awesome. So you can sing. You can also speak. Um, you recently joined the Montgomery Companies team as a keynote speaker, and you've been getting booked consistently. Uh, rave reviews. Anybody who's ever heard you speak would say, wow, there's a gift of communication. Um, I would love to know when you realized that you had that gift or maybe even some of the first times that you started to use it publicly. Yeah, it's, um, that's an interesting question. I think it's, I think it's one thing when you know, you, you're using that gift or that blessing um, and you don't realize that it's something that you've been blessed with. Um, so when I was a kid, I was constantly making like, um, we, I made like newscasts in my parents' living room. I would set up our piano bench with my friends and I'd make them like, let me interview them. And I had this show, it was called 10 Squared, 10 News Stories at 10 o'clock at night. And I'd tell my, my friends, I'd be like, okay, today you are Lindsay Lohan and I'm asking you questions about Herbie the Love Bug. Like that's the movie we're talking about today. This is your press tour. Um, and it was a whole, like, it was a whole thing, a whole production. I'd have the, I'd wear my mom's like work clothes, you know, her blazers and old sweaters and the makeup, all the stuff. And so I started using it at a very like young age, I guess I would say. 
Um, but I definitely didn't realize it was just something that, you know, I was genuinely interested in. And I think that's one thing about like the gifts that God gives you, right? A lot of people say, oh, you're just gifted, which Mm -hmm. kind of implies to me that, oh, you really didn't have to work at it. Mm -hmm. Um, but really I think God gives you the foundational kind of interest in the things that he's going to bless you with. And it's up to you in your life to really hone those gifts and work on them and perfect them in order to impact people as much as you possibly can in your life. So that's what I did when I got to college. Um, and I, I was a cheerleader at Iowa my sophomore year and I got hurt. So I, I tore an ab muscle, which was like super painful and really random, um, but kind of sat me out for a little bit. And I was like, man, like I can't do anything. I'm bored. What am I going to do with my life? Like after I'm done with cheerleading, I got to figure something out. Um, and I knew I wanted to get into writing. So that was my idea of journalism. Like I'm going to do that, um, write news articles, maybe get into sports journalism. And so started kind of looking around and talking to career advisors at Iowa and they pushed me in the direction of the daily Iowan, which is like an on-campus news organization. And I can't say enough about that organization, by the way, um, totally Mm. propelled my career from, from start to finish. So, um, so yeah, I, I started doing that. My mom's like, hey, you really should just look into TV. I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I'd be good at that. I'm kind of nervous, you know, all the things, all the objections. She's like, just try it. So she kind of pushed me into it. Moms always know best. Um, being a mom now, I know that for sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, she kind of pushed me in that direction. And um, it was my my first day doing it. I was a sophomore, as I said. And I was doing my first ever like teleprompter read on camera. And one of the professors and like helpers at Daily Iowan was was watching. And looking back now, it was terrible. But I got done and he's like, man, I can't believe this is your first time. Like that was that was really great. And I kind of needed that little like bump, right? That little confidence booster from somebody that knew what they were talking about. Whether he meant it or not, it, it struck with me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I could really do this. Like for sure. Um, and so I think that's when I kind of realized, like, this is where I want to go with my life. Um, and really, I don't even think I've kind of let it sink in that I'm doing this as a profession, that I'm utilizing this blessing or this gift. Um, I think just because I'm constantly trying to perfect it, it's never good enough for me. I never leave a talk feeling like, yes, that was it. That's the one I feel feel like that was that was perfect. There's always something I walk away from an event or, or a game and I'm like, man, I wish I would have done blank or hindsight, this would have been better. Um, And so, yeah, so I guess that's kind of when I, when it all kind kind of came together was my sophomore year of college, but, but it's still kind of, the pieces are still forming for sure. Yeah. I think about the giftedness that you have and how you're using it um, in a, in a corporate world now, right? You've used it in the world of sports. And um, I think about the speech that you recently gave not too long ago, in front of John Gordon. He was in the room. He actually shared the stage with Erica Olaf and Jade Gordon. And John Gordon said to me, um, this is one of her first corporate gigs. And I was like, yeah, I think, you know, she's been speaking for a long time, but in a corporate setting, yes. And he's like, she's going to be a superstar. That's what John said. So I think I shared that with you, but um, you should know that there's some people in the industry that have done it for a long time and have um, noticed your giftedness. And I know you're working on um, your craft, even though there's a natural giftedness, I love your desire to grow and get better. And you're constantly trying to perfect um, your craft. When you think about what you're learning today in the realm of public communication, is there anything that's standing out to you right now about the speaking or or the world of, of communication? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think in my... 
kind of in my role with the Hawkeyes and, and with speaking and, you know, with corporate events and things like that, it appears that I do a lot of talking at people. Um, and that's definitely one side of communication where, yes, I, I know how to convey a message. Yes, I know how to speak and, and be articulate with my words. But I think the more important side of communication is understanding your audience and understanding the person that you're trying to um, maybe persuade to do something or understand something or just lead them in a general direction. Um, so I would say it's kind of two parts. The first part is listen more than you're talking. Um, I think a lot of us get caught up in, well, this is my message. This is my belief. Yeah, sure. That's great. But how are you going to convey that to each different person? Because no two people are going to receive the same message the same way. So that's definitely something I'm learning. And that comes a lot from my work with the Hawks, right? We've got a massive demographic of fans one message isn't going to land the same with each person. And so we really got to take into account how do how does this fan or this person going to react to this? How are they going to feel about this message? And then how can I take all of that information from listening to people and convey it the right way? Um, and then kind of that second part, um, like I said, is just understanding the audience and how they might react to you. And I remember um, uh, Mark Ironside, he's a multi-time national champ uh, wrestler yeah. at the University of Iowa. He told my husband, actually, who then told me this information, he told him that um, Coach Dan Gable, um, you know, legendary coach at the University of Iowa, what made him great as, as a coach and what kind of set him apart from others is he knew how to kind of teeter the line between friend and coach. And that really struck Matt him being a coach as well. And then I was like, yeah, like that completely makes sense to me. Like a leader needs to know, not only am I your coach, am I the person that's going to be, you know, in charge of this operation, whatever we are doing, or I'm the person that's leading via communication and via voice, but I also need to understand who you are as a person. And I think that comes from the friend perspective, right? Building a relationship with people is, I mean, that's top tier, most important thing that you have to do before you can even begin to communicate your message to them. How are they going to react to this? How are they going to take this? Um, and just on the topic of coaching, you talk about two different athletes, right? One might react really well to you yelling and screaming in their face. There are some people that are motivated by that. I don't want to get in trouble. You got it, whatever you say. There's also some people that are going to look at you and say, you know, thanks and go the other way with it, right? And so it's your job as a leader and as a coach, as a communicator, that you have to understand who is this person? What makes them tick? build that relationship, be their friend first, listen to them. That goes back to my first point and then move on from there and say, okay, this is how we're going to move forward when I'm speaking to you, when I'm trying to persuade you of something and uh, when we're going to move forward together as, as two people. That is so good. That is really good. So there's a lot of parallels between private communication and public communication, what allows someone to be effective. And you hit the nail on the head, a couple of things that I think about. One is your ability to be vulnerable. So I think you do a great job, Laura, of just being real with people and letting them see the real you. Um, you dropped an awesome line uh, in the beginning of your speech with John Gordon. I'll never forget that. Uh, somebody will have to go back and watch and I'm not going to tell them what it was. But you just allow the audience to know, like, I'm a real person, you know? And it's that whole idea that you can impress people with your strengths, but you connect to them through your weakness. And I think you do a good job of putting that on um, display. I also love what you said about seeking first to understand before you attempt to be understood. And I think that's asking the audience, the, or asking yourself the question of like, what is my audience need today? Based on who they are, based on where they're at, maybe even based on the event, or even like the speaker who went before me, you're asking yourself the question of like, hey, what, what does this group of people need? And um, I've watched you do that in private communication. 
I've watched you do it in public communication. And I think those are two things for sure that make you a gifted public communicator. So couldn't agree more. If you want to get into the world of public communication, um, Laura would be someone that I would study. I think you're so far ahead of the game just because of your natural giftedness. Um, and I've shared that with you. Uh, but the way that you navigate a stage, the way that you can move an audience, uh, you are dynamic at your craft. And you're just getting started. That's the crazy part. So big future in store for you on stages all around the country. Um, we've talked a little bit about what you do. I want to talk about who you are. Um, Ashley and I have appreciated the way that you live out your values in your everyday life. And I want to make this comment because you have a what I would refer to, some, some would refer to it as a big life. Like you and Matt are busy. You have a lot going on. There's a lot of things that the both of you have your hands in. Yet, um, when I look at your social media, it's like the simple things that I think you value most. And I love, Ashley and I love watching that part of your life, like your time with Dax and Matt and the way that you prioritize your family. I haven't heard you say this, but I'm just going to assume that your favorite leadership job in life is the job of mom. And, um, you know, Ashley's commented on that several times. She's like, man, Laura and Dax are just always together. And like, she invests time. And so here's what I'd love to know. If we're going to talk about leadership, what have you learned? What's the biggest lesson you've learned in leadership while being a mom? Yeah, I actually, um, a few weeks ago, I think you posted on your your Facebook and Instagram. It was just like a clip of you talking about that being a parent or being a dad or mom is is like the biggest and best leadership position you can possibly have in this game of life. And I absolutely 100% agree because it's you. That's it. Your mom or your dad and figure it out. Good luck. Um, you are the leader. And so I definitely took that to heart. Totally agree. Oh, man. First like year and a half of, of being a parent, there's definitely a lot of lessons that you learn. But I think the the most important and something that I struggle with, and admittedly I've struggled with the last like few days <laughs> for sure, um, is controlling your emotions as a leader. And I mentioned Matt a lot, but him and I are we're very close, my husband and I. And we we communicate, we talk about a lot of things. So we're always kind of on the same page. But he is a huge huge Jocko Willink fan. Okay. So just know that going into this, but he, um, he shared with me like the, the idea that Jocko says, don't let emotions control you, you control your emotions. Mm. And I was like, yeah, like that makes sense to me. And, and as a woman and as somebody with like crazy parent and, and mom hormones, um, there are a lot of times where I let my emotions control me. And what happens in those moments is the situation escalates every single time. And it's little things too, right? Like I'll be making dinner and the dog's over here and this is happening and the dog was in the garden and it's like, there's this huge mess. And then Dax walks over and he trips and he spills an entire smoothie on the floor. And in that moment, I am so overwhelmed. I have so many emotions rolling through me, but the best thing that I could possibly do in that moment is to just take a step back, analyze the situation, right? And then put my emotions aside and say, what's my next best logical step? And I think that helps not only a lot for me where I'm not flying off the handle, but it also helps just in the situation itself, because then my son sees me controlling myself. 
controlling the situation, diffusing, right? He's, his emotions are up here as well because he just spilled his smoothie and it's the end of the world. And so I have to settle him down. And the only way that I can do that is by settling myself because he can read my emotions. He can read what's going on, right? People around you in a workplace can read your emotions and can see how you're reacting to each situation and they're going to follow suit. It happens every single time. So I think the most important thing as a mom and as a leader um, is that really you just have to take a step back in every situation and say, okay, I'm irritated, I'm stressed, I'm upset because this thing went wrong, but I'm going to put that to the side and say, what is the next best logical step that's going to get us from this point to a better situation? And so for me, I mean, that's, that's just been the biggest learning lesson because there are plenty of times when you are dog tired because <laughs> you've been up 20 times with the kid um, and a little overtouched and overstimulated and all of the things and you just want to freak out. But uh, the best way, I think, really, as, as a leader of your household and, and even in the workplace, too, is, is really just to put the emotions to the side and, and just think as, as logically as you can and don't let those emotions control you. What is the next logical step? Love that. My emotions don't control me. I control my emotions. Um, it's funny because in Ashley and I's dynamic, she's the logical one. I'm the emotional one. So she's going to say, you need to play that back, listen to Laura's words. Um, I probably have some work to do. And how I handle my emotions in our relationship and with our family. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you manage multiple roles and multiple things in your life. Because you've got this sort of unique situation where you do a lot of different things well. And you have some different responsibilities professionally. And then you've got your family life and you spend time with Dax during the day. But then all of a sudden you're at an event. And you're speaking and then you're emceeing and then you're doing a social media promo. And then there's something else that you're doing that maybe not everybody understands, but it looks really awesome. Like you're just, you're all over the place and you have this way of navigating life, managing multiple things, still showing up as a wife, as a mom. Um, could you maybe speak a little bit to how you balance those various roles in your life? I think, uh, I don't think balance is the right word. Um, I think juggling is probably the word that I would use for that. Um, my life is never really in balance. Um, there's a quote from Thomas Soli says, there are no solutions, um, only trade-offs. And I was like, man, how true that is. There's a lot of times where you think, okay, I have this thing that's wrong or this thing I need to figure out. And so here's this solution. But when you come up with that solution, you're also sacrificing something else. A lot of times those sacrifices will be time or money, right? Or sleep. Those are kind of those main three sacrifices that we make. And then that's that's our trade-off, right, for something else that we're getting. Um, and so I would say um, the way that I juggle it is um, by coming up with my list of priorities. And Matt and I do this together where it's like, what are the things that are most important to us? Um, we're driven by faith and by family. We're driven by creating a comfortable life for us and for our, our future kids and for Dax. Um, and so those are our top priorities. And if an opportunity presents itself to us, um, and it's like, man, you know, that really doesn't fit in with the amount of time that I'd like to spend with Dax, then it's easy for me to say, nope, I'm sorry, I really can't take that one. Um, and so when I come up with that, that list of priorities and the things that are really important to me throughout my day and, and throughout our lives, it makes making those decisions, sometimes those tough decisions, so much easier. It eliminates that gray space where I'm like, oh, but the money's good, but the time and, you know, I wouldn't be home for his birthday but, oh, but the, but the money's great. Mm. Okay, what am I driven by? Am I driven by my income or am I driven by spending quality time with my son and being there for the important things in his life? 
Well, it's, it's that, right? It's the, it's the quality time. And that's, what's the most important thing to me in my life. And when I have those things organized in my head of what is most important to me, everything else is so much easier to just decide yes, no, and, uh, and move on from it. And so, um, so yeah, I just don't spend a lot of time kind of going back and forth and should I do this? Should I not? Um, everything's much easier when Matt and I have those priorities in line. So that's how we attempt to do it. It's also a lot of Matt, this is another Jocko reference, but we call it cover and move. Um, <laughs> and cover so, and move. um, yeah, so we're covering for each other and then moving on, you know, the next person moves and then you cover for that person. He can explain it a lot better than I can, but, um, right. It's like a, like a Navy SEAL type thing. So anyway, if you can look it up, it's Jocko Willing. Cover Love it. And move. Love it. <laughs> and so that's kind of how we approach everything is it's not a competition of I've done all of this work and now you have to make up for it. Right. Well, I've been gone all day at work. Why are you throwing the kid at me? It's like, well, you were gone at work all day and now you come home. Now you take Dax and I'll make you guys dinner, right? We're cover and move. And then I have to go to work. So you stay home, you know, so it's, it's trading off with each other. It's making certain sacrifices when you can. And that's just kind of how we approach everything. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give Matt a shout out too, because Matt sometimes during the day so that you can travel or, you know, show up to your speaking engagement or your appearance that you need to make. There's times where Matt's coming home to watch Dax during the day, right? And yes. I, I think for I think for dads, um, yeah, I think in today's world, there's maybe not enough dads who are choosing that, right? Even those who have flexibility. Um, and I love the way that you are managing that together and you're choosing to cover and move. That's awesome. Yes, yeah. So I would uh I would also it. like to give a, a shout out to Matt too, because I there's no way I could do all of the things that I do if he didn't support every single dream that I have. It's like he would drop everything if I wanted to go drop, you know, thousands of dollars on opening some business. He'd be like, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's make it work. Um, he supports me in absolutely everything that I do in every way that he can. So super important in a marriage, of course. Shout out to Matt. You're the man. Um, I want to talk about faith before we wrap up. And then we're going to talk a little bit specific to Hawkeye fans. So we're going to go there with some Hawkeye conversation. But um, I would love to know when you and Matt think about what you're building together, when you think about what you're building in terms of your ability to communicate, to speak, to influence, I'd love to hear how faith plays a role in how you operate and how you conduct your business. Oh gosh, it's everything. It is, it's the foundation. It's everything that um, you can fall back on when you've had a hard day, right? Um, there are times when things don't go my way. Um, and the thing that I can always lean on is maybe that door closed, but I know God's going to open another one. Um, the thing I can always lean back on is God has another plan for me, right? And so there's never, it doesn't feel like there's ever really a moment once I realize that in my life where I'm like, everything's over and I'm screwed. <laughs> and so it's having that comfort in your faith and knowing that there's always going to be something bigger and something better for you. Um, and then the other, I think it's just really hope, I guess, is the word that I would put that. It's like a big umbrella of there's hope in your life. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, of course, like everything in our family is extremely faith-based. Our relationship with Jesus is, is one of the most important things. And we just want to instill that into our son and into our future kids as well. And at the same time, that's the, that's the bedrock and the foundation of our marriage too. There's a song that I listen to all the time. It's called A Little Less Like Me. I don't know if you've heard it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know who the artist is. I should know. But basically, um, you know, you can listen to the lyrics. I'm not going to sing it for you. Don't ask. <laughs> it's coming on the next episode. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it says um, a little more, be a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. And it kind of goes through, you know, all the ways in which to do that and how us as humans fail a lot of times with that. 
Um, and so I think really it's just everything that I do in my life, the way that I treat people, the way I go about my business, how I go throughout my day, how I treat my husband and my son and the priorities in my life are really just aligned with my faith and aligned with, you know, hopefully how I would see Jesus to live his. So, um, so yeah, I would say, you know, it's, it's faith, family, and then kind of everything else falls after that, which is a huge reason as to why I was so pumped and so excited to join Montgomery companies, because I knew that you and Ashley and Jay and everyone else on your team felt that exact same way from the moment that I spoke to you. Um, I remember that first conversation that we had, I was like, hey, here's the deal. These are my beliefs. This is what I want to put out there. If you drive with that, great. If you don't, see you later, right? Like we kind of had that super candid conversation and you were like, hey, same. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, all right, I'm in, let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think, uh, I think, yeah, everything just kind of falls under under faith and that's kind of how we lead our lives. Yeah. And, and we appreciate how you're willing to wear your faith on your sleeve, you know, and not just talking about Jesus, but just living like Jesus and modeling faith in your everyday life. And so that's meant a lot to us. We value that about you and Matt. And um, we need more people in the marketplace leading for the kingdom. Like we believe that, you know, that when we're on a stage, it's not just to motivate or inspire people, but it's to help people understand there's something different, right? And um, at the end of the day, uh, I know that's your ultimate goal. That's our goal. And we're aligned in that. And we so much appreciate that about how you operate. Um, We're going to take a hard right turn, Laura, from Jesus to the Hawkeyes. Um, Because here's what a lot of people associate you with. Uh, they associate you because they see you at Carver Hockey Arena on the Jumbotron eight times a game, right? Or at Kinnick Stadium. You can be found, you know, on the sideline or at the 50-yard line. And this fall is right around the corner. I'm going to ask you to make some Hawkeye football predictions here in a second. But before we go to the predictions, here's what I'd love to know. We'll just have some fun with this. Um, I would love to know what have been some of your most favorite memories in your work with Hawkeye Sports? Oh, man. Well, see, I've been a Hawkeye fan my entire life, like bleed black and gold from the moment I was born. Um, so I was at some of the biggest games, the catch, the Capital One Bowl. Um, you talk about, you know, Barry Alvarez's last game at Wisconsin when we beat them. Um, and then just just tons of different memories inside Kinnick Stadium as a kid. So those are some of my favorite moments in Hawkeye history, I would say. Just a couple of them there. There's plenty more, but those are just a couple. Um, but I would say in my work with the Hawkeyes, again, really hard to choose, but in 2016, I had just started working for the Hawks. Um, and my husband, well, my boyfriend at the time was playing, um, wide receiver for the Hawks and beat Iowa state at Kinnick stadium night game. Uh, I guess, yeah, it was three 30 start time, but turned into a night game. And, uh, he had like the game of his life. And then after the game, he proposed to me. And it was like from beginning of the day to the end of the day, just like storybook. I mean, I could not have written it up better myself. It was just everything that I had ever dreamed of my entire life. And so that has to be (laughs) one of the bigger ones. Um, But every interview with Tom Brands on the field is always one that you never know what's going to happen. If you've seen it and experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, But it is, it's usually a surprise to me, whatever comes out of his mouth. Uh, Last, last year, last season, he was like, you know, Laura, we love you. This is at Kinnick in front of 70,000. Laura, we love you, um, but I'm going to take it from here. And he takes the mic from me and then just like went on, you know, it's like rant about anybody, anytime, anywhere. So if we're talking about interviews, um, like in-game type stuff. I would say that was probably one of my favorites. 
Another one was when we had George Kittle back or on the sideline and we have like these inner ear pieces, right? Where I can hear, you know, what's going on in the microphone as opposed to all the outside noise. And he does this giant Ric Flair whoo, into the microphone. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I burst in my eardrums, <laughs> but just the reaction of the crowd um, was absolutely amazing. So um, it's really, it's honestly so hard to pick one, but I guess if I had to pick a few, I guess those would be probably it. You've had a wide range of experiences. There's a lot of diversity yeah. in those stories from Matt Vandenberg's love story to George Kittle with the Ric Flair woo. Um, and somewhere in there's Tom Brand. So uh, that's awesome. How about favorite Hawkeye coaches or athletes? Some of the, the most favorite people that you've been able to work with, interview and, and watch. Yeah. You know, I could say some amazing things about every single coach at the University of Iowa. There's something about each of them and their character and their personality that it just like sets them apart from everyone else. I do have to give a shout out to our new volleyball coach, Jim Barnes. He, I'm so excited for them this year, brand new this year. He knows how to rebuild a team and a program. And I think it's going to be something special. Um, so really excited for that. But Lisa Bluter is, she is class. If I could give her one word. She is from outside of the arena, off of the basketball court. She is the best mom. She is the best wife. She is the best friend and supporter of her athletes that I have ever seen in my life. She is absolutely genuine. She has treated me the same from my daily Iowan days to me working with the Hawkeyes right now. I mean, she is just that person where when you walk into a room, she'll greet you. She'll make you feel good about yourself. And she is just a wonderful person. And you can tell by the way that her student athletes respect her that she really does, I think, have that Dan Gable effect where she teeters that line of coach and friend. And she truly listens and values her athletes as people and values the people around her from the staff to the marketing staff um, and everybody generally at the University of Iowa. And she loves her fans. That is for sure. So Lisa is amazing. Tom Brands is hilarious. He's also incredibly genuine. He loves his wrestlers. He loves the people around them. And anytime someone does a good job or he likes something that someone did um, on the staff, from the marketing staff to me, whatever it might be, he will let you know. He will recognize you um, publicly, privately, whatever it might be. He's just a wonderful person as well. Um, and then Kirk, we got to talk about Kirk Ferentz. Um, the word I actually, I was asked this the other day was what's one word to describe coach Ferentz. And I said, steady. And I admire that. I think he's one person. I mean, people talk all the time about how on the sideline, he never lets his emotions show. And there's some people that see that as kind of a negative. I remember a, a clip from a trick play. I don't remember what game it was, but it was a trick play and it, it, it was a touchdown and he's on the sideline. He kind of looks up, he's chewing his gum and he nods his head. And he writes a note on his notepad. And that was it. That was the reaction. Um, and when his players come over, pats him on the helmet, moves on to the next thing. Um, and I, I totally admire that. I think as a leader, that's something I know for a fact, that's something that Matt looks up to and something that, um, you know, we see as something that is like indicative of a true man, somebody that can lead through being steady um, and again, to my point before, putting those emotions aside and saying, okay, what's the next logical step to lead these men um, to, first of all, a victory, but even above that, outside of the game and off of the field, he wants to make them better people. 
and better dads, better brothers, and just better men in general. And they totally hone in on that at the Iowa football complex. And that's something that I know for a fact, Matt took away from there and he learned a ton from. So aside from, yeah, we want to make it to the NFL, you know, as players, yes, we want to win as many games as possible as Hawkeyes. The ultimate goal is to make better people. And then you've got a coach like head coach Fran McCaffrey with men's basketball. I mean, he is what I like to call a player's coach. Just from my experience with sitting down with alumni and, you know, current players that play for Coach McCaffrey, um, they love playing for him. He is, he's a coach that genuinely cares about his players, not only on the court and, and as student athletes and, and wanting to win games and, and those kind of things, but he also genuinely cares about the people that they are and the people that they're becoming. I know a lot of times you talk to players and you say, why'd you pick Iowa? He's like, and, you know, they'll say, um, in the way coach McCaffrey talks to me, <laughs> the way that he approached me during my recruiting process, he approached me like a human, not just as a basketball player that's going to win him some games. And I think that says a lot about the type of person and the character within coach McCaffrey. Um, and, you know, I could just, I could go on and on about every single one of our coaches. You talk about Larissa Libby, women's gymnastics, the culture she's got, um, Lisa Slucci with field hockey, her players absolutely love her. And she's had enormous success in the NCAA tournament just in the past few years. Um, Dave Diani, women's soccer, great culture. Coach Garbett with um, women's rowing, another great culture that he's building on that program. Um, Sasha Schmid, women's tennis. I mean, again, the list goes on and on. I could continue. I think we are extremely lucky at the University of Iowa with the coaching staffs that we have. Um, and I just feel, like I said already, um, you know, enormously lucky and fortunate that I've been able to get to know them on a more personal level and, and who they are and who they are as people and, and as coaches. Well, but I think you hit it that they're better people than professionals. I think we're fortunate to have some really great role models leading athletes. Um, and you think about the results too, right? Like Lisa Bluter, 800 wins. Tom Brands leads one of the winningest programs in the country in his sport. Kirk Ferentz, longest tenured coach in college football. And then you got Fran McCaffrey, who is, um, you know, back-to-back First team All-Americans, National Player of the Year, developed Luca Garza. You could argue he's the best player development coach um, in the world of college basketball. So we're fortunate to have good people leading as professionals. Okay, final Hawkeye question. Uh, Football season is around the corner. I won't ask you to make a prediction on every single team that you work with, uh, just for the sake of time. But I will ask you to make a prediction about what happens inside of Kinnick Stadium this year and beyond, road games too. The 2022 football season, how does it go and how does it end? You know, it's that's a tough one. And when I get asked these questions, I, my mind always goes to, I'm going to give an answer that I would give the media, okay? So I'm going <laughs> to give you my my positive, optimistic outlook okay, on Okay, here we go. Is, that's my job. But uh, no, I genuinely believe this is going to be a great season, um, truly. It's going to be tough to replace Linderbaum, Charlie Jones that we lost, um, but we do have Spencer coming back, Nico Regani. We got tons of guys on the D-line that are coming back. I mean, we've got, we've got a good, solid team that's returning, so I feel good about that. Um, and then you look at our, our home season. I know you talked about away games as well. We've got seven sold-out games. Absolutely unbelievable. I cannot wait. It is, it's going to be electric every single home game in Kinnick Stadium. Um, I know the feeling of a sold out game and to have that every single time we walk through those gates, it's going to be unbelievable. Um, I loved also that Nebraska was the last game to sell out. (laughs) There was just something poetic about that. 
that uh, I was a huge fan of. But even this first game, South Dakota State, Matt's got some ties there, um, you know, being from South Dakota. So that's going to be super fun. Nevada, a night game. Iowa State coming to Kinnick Stadium is always fun. And just like there's a huge buzz around that game. Uh, and then you got Wisconsin, Michigan, Nebraska. I mean, the, the list goes on, on on how many amazing competitive games we're going to have at home. And so with the sold out crowd and the way that they were able to impact the Penn State game last season, I don't know if you remember I how remember. many fall yeah. were there. Three in a row, right? <laughs> three in a row? In a row. I, I think so. Yeah. Might have been more than that. But, Was it four? Um, three or four? Something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the way our fans are able to impact the game is like something I've never seen before. And there have been multiple times where I've gone to Big Ten Media Days and, and interviewed you know, different players from, from different teams around the Big Ten, and they've all consistently said that Kinnick Stadium is the hardest stadium to play at. And so I feel good about saying we will have at least, at least, everyone listen closely to that, seven wins. <laughs> An undefeated home season. Okay. I feel it in my bones. We shall see. Uh, but uh, no, it's going to be fun. Always excited for football season to start up. There it is. The official prediction from the face of Hawkeye Sports, Laura Vandenberg. Um, <laughs> Laura, thanks for being with us. Um, I'm going to ask you for some final words of wisdom if there's anything else you want to share with our audience. But before I do that, um, Ash and I want to say thanks again for being a part of our community, part of our team. We're honored to call you and Matt friends. We're so excited about the work that we have to do out into the future. Love watching you lead as a mom, as a wife, as a community member, and as a teammate at Montgomery Companies. Anything that you want to share with our audience before we sign off? You know, I don't think so. I'm just, uh, I'm excited for what's ahead with Montgomery Companies. Obviously pumped for the football season, everything that's coming our way. And, um, you know, I know there's a lot to a lot to be done with Montgomery Companies and, and a lot of impact to be made in, in the world. And just excited to be a part of it and just appreciate you having me on today. Thank you so much. Hey, Laura, where can people find you on social media? Yes, um, Instagram. I know I might be kind of an old millennial with this. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Instagram at Laura Vandenberg underscore. I'm not the first Laura Vandenberg, but that's where you can find me. Reach out, DM me anytime. If you want to know more about Laura, reach out to her on Instagram. I'll attest she has a great presence. She's active and uh, would love to hear from you. Thanks for being here, my friend. More good stuff in the future and uh, enjoyed every second of the conversation. Laura Vandenberg on the Montgomery Companies podcast. Thanks for listening. Want to give a shout out to John Choate, our producer at Storyline Multimedia. Thanks again to Laura for your valuable investment of time and energy. Until next time, be well, be great. Have a wonderful day.